Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Monday morning. Let's turn to our next uh, t- uh, feature of today, and that is Trash Talk. Now it's macro December, and we look at sustainable textiles. Can you grow cotton without water right next to a textile factory? And can you grow leather in a lab? And can sound waves clear out microplastics from our wastewater? Edwin Kay, the CEO of the Hong Kong Research Institute of Textiles and Apparel, answers all these questions for us. Hey, Trash Talk listeners. Well, there's definitely one organization in Hong Kong that we at Trash Talk just can't keep up with. Their globally recognized research and innovation on sustainable textiles and fashion is just, well, it's unparalleled here in Hong Kong. So I have to bring Edwin Ke, CEO of HK Rita, otherwise known as the Hong Kong Research Institute of Textiles and Apparel, back on the show again to try to catch up with what they're up to. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, and I'm serious. You are a role model in how you can create sustainability research and innovation here. You are too kind. I think think we we try to have uh, a sense of urgency (laughs) and passion about the things that we do. And, uh, you know, apart from this being a serious uh, existential (laughs) Right to our world. Uh, Ah, Yes, I shouldn't like laughter. Retract. (laughs) But but it is also uh, full of opportunities, and and our our core belief always is that real world problems are multidiscipline problems. So you have to solve it from coming at from different angles. So what's the business case? What's the supply chain uh, issues? What what are the science problems? And then how can we put it all together in a in 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 a package that works? So. so we we try to approach it in in a in a way that that makes sense and and is useful. All right. Well, then, in, on that note, what's what's new? What are uh, now? It, it it may have been hard during the pandemic because I know you couldn't travel that much. Yes. Um, yes. Now you can, and yes. I'm catching you presumably yeah. right before a big trip. I I actually have been in and out of Hong Kong um, since. September actually, and, and 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 have not been able to go into a restaurant. Frustratingly, <laughs> so, so so I've been. You keep coming back, I, and, and just yeah, just days. before I'm I'm yeah, I get my my nice blue coat, I'm I'm off again. Uh, but but the, the the good news about Hong Kong is that we are really the in the heart and the center of of a lot of people's supply chain, and so we get opportunities to go upstream and downstream. So, so we are growing cotton uh, and, and, and looking at different uh, uh, new sources of cellulose on one hand, and, and we are looking at post-consumer recycling and, and, and brand new materials, and then machineries and systems. And, and so it, it's, been, it's been lots of fun. Um, but yes, uh, the, 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 the pandemic has sort of crimped our style for, a, for, a, for about a year or two, but, but we are roaring back. Um, and we can't wait for China to open up because there's lots of stuff that we want to do there as well. Yeah, yeah, we all can't wait for China to open up. I'm sure that'll happen soon. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I said last year. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Um, Well, all right, well, talking about, you know, traveling and your, you know, your other initiatives, it's really cool. Um, We've known a little bit about G2G, but not as much about the green machine. Right. And now you have this super cool initiative in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. So so our, our, our 
aim always is that we we need to scale these things up, and we should measure ourselves by how much impact we make, how much of a difference we make. And so, unless things get to industrial scale or have generally been adopted, it's we're just making ourselves happy in in in, in the lab. So, so the green machine, which is a hydrothermal separation recycling technology that we developed in in Hong Kong in, around 2018, is finally scaling up. So we were uh, putting the first system in in Indonesia. We signed our second system to be installed in Turkey. We are in the middle of a study for a Cambodia slash Vietnam system with uh, with GIZ. The, the, the German development uh, NGO, and we are um, we have also just signed uh, with a social enterprise in the U.S. to put a post-consumer version of the green machine in a to-be-disclosed location in the United States. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, all these partnerships means that the there will be a green machine there, or yes. it means that they'll be using the technology. Yes, and and all of them are different. Uh, some are some partners have their own engineering capabilities, so we're just licensing them the the technology. Uh, others really want to add this to to part of their business, or or want to adopt this technology so that they can recycle more efficiently. Uh, and and so we are every one of them. We're, we're helping them scale and, and and scope out these projects. Okay, and then part of bringing the green machine is into presumably is educating your consumers and showing people yes. how it all works. And and again, that hy- hydrothermal. Hydrothermal is for recycled polyester. It's for the separation of blended materials ah. for the recycling of polyester, and for development of uh, new materials from the cotton material so new types of cellulose that we are we are developing from there okay and this is from also your trial plant up in typo no that's another project okay but that's okay another. but but the the the, uh, the the main the current outputs for the green machine are one fiber to fiber recycling of of these um, synthetic materials the polyesters come out fiber to fiber and can be reused as is okay got it the cellulose so far have three or four products that we are excited about one is a new type of viscose which is made uh, um, from this recycled uh, cellulose. We're, we're developing and functionalizing this yarn so that it becomes a high-performance uh, um, yarn. Uh, and we're doing this in Japan. Uh, with, Great. Uh, so we're very excited about that. We have a um, water-repellent treatment uh, that we've developed from this material. So it can make cotton... Uh, water repellent or, or waterproof in some cases. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so this is, instead of using, you know, PFCs and PFAs are, 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 are very controversial chemicals right now that is being banned in, in, in uh, certain parts of the world, and that's mostly how people do waterproofing treatments. So now we have a new natural recycled cellulose-based waterproofing treatment. So I can pull out my old T-shirts and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, you yeah, can get yeah. that cotton or, or, feel, right? Or, or make raincoats with cotton. Yeah, like that. that's fabulous. And, and the third material that we are very excited about is that we're using this as a super, we're functionalizing cellulose into a super absorbent polymer, which we are using to grow cotton without irrigation. Oh. And, and we have, on our third large scale experiment, uh, using this material in India, and, and um, cotton is growing, the cotton plants are healthier. The, they're growing uh, faster, and the yield per acre 
is up, up about 17% or thereabouts. Are you putting them in the dirt? Or? We're putting them around the root. And it, it, it pulls moisture from ambient and from surrounding air. And it swells to about, it, it manages about 30 times its weight in, in water, moisture. And then it slowly releases it into the root. So it makes the root uh, of the plant healthier. Wow. Second generation of this is now we're also putting micronutrients into it so that it, uh, it, we, it, we don't have to use fertilizer when we grow cotton. Third generation in work is that we are also using the cellulose to put nitrates back into the soil. So, so after you grow the cotton, the soil is actually richer. And healthier. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a, a truly a regenerative farming process. So we're very excited about that. The other project that you mentioned, <laughs> which is the... Um, we, we, ha- we were... Very excited. In the middle of the pandemic, because we can't go anywhere, we, we said, let's try to think about growing cotton in another way. So we were successful in growing. I think I, I told the government this, uh, that, it, that the first crop of extra long staple cotton in Yunlong, I think in the history of Hong Kong, nobody has ever grown extra long staple cotton in, in Hong Kong. Extra long staple is, is you know, the top 5% of cotton, the most expensive, oh, okay. the hardest to grow, right. and, and the, the most luxuriant. Oh. And, and so we actually did all this in, in a 40-foot container. We love containers. Oh, super <laughs> cool, huh? In an in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, artificial environment, and we are pioneering this uh, new technology using nanobubbles to, to oxidate, again, the root health, making the, the root healthier. So the cotton is growing... Um, healthier, faster. So like hydroponically? Yes, exactly. Okay. We, we, it's uh, it's a sort of like a modified hydroponic method. So 95% savings in water. And the other cool part that we are working on... Uh, <laughs> See, I told you, trash talkers, can't keep up with them. <laughs> we are introducing CO2 as a fertilizer. So the idea is... What if we can re- revolutionize the way uh, the cotton supply chain works in the world today? Today, cotton is grown far away somewhere. It is being auctioned off or, or you harvest it once or twice a year. And then you wait around for, for you buy it and you wait around for it to be used. Or you can spin and weave it into something else. What if you can harvest on demand? And what if you can grow it next to your factory where you're producing the clothes? And what if you can take all the carbon dioxide that you, that you produce in the manufacturing process and use it as fertilizer in the, in, in the growing of cotton? Wow. Then you have a much shorter supply chain that is much more cost-effective because all of a sudden we solved a cash flow problem. Right. It's cheaper because it's logistically a lot closer to where you want your cotton to be. And potentially, we have, we have a carbon-neutral supply chain. Exactly. Yeah. That is super cool. Yeah, so, so we're, very, we're very excited about that. We, we, we are scaling it up, and we want to, to really put this... Um, yeah, yeah, we want, we want to see where we go. We're also, um, we're also building a big lab in Hong Kong next year uh, to, uh, to put all these experiments in one place. And one of the variations of this project is what, what we're calling the, uh, the world's shortest supply chain. In 240 con- containers, we're going to go from cotton to garment. Huh. So we'll grow the cotton, we'll, we'll gin it, we'll, we'll, make, uh, we'll get the fibers, we'll make yarns from it, and we'll, we'll 3D knit or weave a garment from it. 
Oh, they all in a 40-foot container? In, in, well, two. two. I, well, okay. my scientists, okay. uh, researchers tell me two. I, I say, well, let's, let's shoot for one, but I'll settle for two. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, let's shoot for three and be realistic. No, it happened. no, 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 no. no. Um, so all we're right. excited about that. That's well, first, in, first in the world, first in Hong Kong. I don't know how you sleep at night because now you've, you've covered the entire vertical integration of growing all the way to the end yeah. recycling, which is pretty darn unique. Well, well, uh, uh, one of the things we've learned as we looked at like the opportunities in in the fashion and apparel supply chain is that the opportunities seem to be at the extremes of the supply chain. So, mm. so how what type of materials you use, how you process and grow those materials on one end, and then. Mm. What do you do with it after the consumer has decided to buy it? Mm. And then how do you how do you reuse it? How do you get it back to to a, a, a useful state? How you extend the, the 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 use of it? So one is uh, regenerative processes of uh, biodiversity, as, as we call it, and the other one is uh, our, our carbon um, negative, carbon neutral types of of, of businesses. Right. So, for, for partly the post-consumer yeah, world. Yeah. I'm going to ask a, a silly question, but, you know, you see in the news now that there is um, lab-grown chicken. Yes. Can we ever get to lab-grown cotton, or do we always have... We always stay in this Funny hydroponic stage. <laughs> Funny, I thought of that Funny last night, ask. he said. <laughs> we, have, uh, uh, we have been working on lab-grown leather, uh, and we actually have succeeded in u- using. We're we're basing basically. Uh, um, uh, yeah, well, we have a lab grown. We have a lab grown material, but now, uh, uh, so so has a lot of people. But what we're trying to do is to grow to shape. So so can you grow a shoe? You know, ah. and, and, and so that you you don't have to cut or make it. So can you can you grow things into three D shapes? Right. And Isn't so, that Dolly? Well, you, yeah. well, this Isn't thing that doesn't live. Dolly the sheep with us. We're, we're using bacteria mostly at this point in time, so no. Um, ah. So, so we're 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 doing that. We are we are looking at alternative forms of cellulose, um, especially salt water-based alternatives, uh, and ah, we right. Uh, and we are looking at actively looking at uh, things like agricultural waste, so bananas and pineapple waste. Uh, can those become uh, cellulose that we use? Um, so, so stuff like that. Um, huh. Okay, and then to extend it even further, right? We've taken it to post-consumer, but then they wash their clothes. Yes. And then the microplastic goes into the water. Ah, so we have, we have you something. can't leave enough alone, can you? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> you can I, even go further out. We, well, we've just <laughs> talked about, we're talking about that this morning in our labs. We, we have... You know, microplastic filtration is a big challenge, but microplastic pollution is a huge emerging uh, issue. Um, too much of this stuff is going... In, every time we wash our polyester clothes, too much of this is, is flaking off, and it, they're s- too small to be filtered out, and they are going into uh, our oceans with our, with our wastewater. You can filter them out, uh, but but the the way to do it is use technologies like reverse osmosis filtration. Very energy intensive, um, very high pressure is used, and then you have to do a lot of reverse flushing to get the stuff that you filter out. Uh, so it's quite expensive. So so last 12 months, we've been working on another way to filter out microplastics, and we've come upon a way to, to filter out microplastics using sound waves. So we have an acoustic sweeping 
technology that, that basically moves a microplastic uh, waste in, in let's say, uh, your, your, your drain, push it aside, the sound waves sort of push it aside, and we are able to take the, the microplastic out before it goes into the, uh, the ocean. So we're very excited about that. The proof of concept has worked in the lab. We're trying to convince the government to let us build a, a version of this that we can retrofit into, let's say, some some drainage uh, work. Yeah, like maybe in the new towns they're building, right? Uh, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And because it, this is an add-on, it, it, we can just plug it into some some drain somewhere, process it, and then and then uh, uh, release the, the wastewater. And it has no moving parts, so that's a cool part of it. The the maintenance and the energy use are quite low. So we're still messing around with it. This morning we're talking about certain geometries and and fluid dynamics so that, so that it's more efficient. So we we still have some work to do, but but the the principle uh, in, in it works. So we're very happy about that. All right. Well, this is why we also call you Professor <laughs> uh, because <laughs> you can also. Uh, Talk to all your PhD guys and understand yeah. all these concepts. So, but but you know, you haven't asked me what, what is our nightmare scenario. Okay. <laughs> oh well, that, most people don't want to be asked that. Well, so, so so why do we why do we work on so many different things and why do we work at the somewhat frantic pace that we work at? And if you go to our labs, you'll see what I mean. Because we have this too little, too late concern. You know this this. Every time the the uh, the UN talks about the environment, that it has never been good, or has not been good for the last couple of years, and we are not hitting some of the goals that we want to hit, and so we, of course, we're very proud of, excited, and happy about everything that we're working on and pioneering, but we really want these things to scale as quickly as possible. The the, the too little, too late scenario is that the later we start implementing this the more expensive it's going to be and the harder it's going to be. And unless we scale these things and unless we have some radical changes to, to the way we shop, to the way we consume, to the way clothes are made and, and marketed, um, we're not going to get there. I mean, that, that's sort of the harsh reality. So we want to be a piece of the puzzle to, to enable people to, to change and to change radically. So you don't have to go bust. You don't have to be an NGO. You can continue to grow and make money as, as a brand. You can continue to have a lifestyle that you visible. And we want to be able to give that option to people. And, and I think this is where, where it's great to be in Hong Kong because we, we have such great visibility and we have such great connectivity in our industry. So, so we're very lucky to, 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 to be working on these things here. Those are very prophetic words to end on. I really appreciate you coming in and giving us an update. And I hope you come back soon between your travels. Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to come. <laughs> we haven't even talked about our carbon dioxide absorbing cotton material <laughs> uh, and, and all the other stuff that we're doing, by the way. Right? All right, well, she, we are supposed to be a 10-minute show. So <laughs> January? Okay, <laughs> it's a date. <laughs> thanks for inviting me. All right, thanks, Edwin. You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK On The Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas. If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia. Cheers once again to Marcy Trent Long for this week's Trash Talk. 
awesome interview with Edwin K of HK 